Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. In John chapter 16, beginning in verse 13, Jesus speaking, he says, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Notice, the Spirit of God, he will glorify me, and he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Welcome, everyone, to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. Today, John brings up the work of the Holy Spirit in us for two important connections. First, it is the Holy Spirit of God in us that is the abiding presence of Jesus. Second, it is the testimony of the Holy Spirit within us that makes it possible for us to know that we abide in Him. As Paul puts it in Romans 8.16, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit gives us this assurance. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous, they run into it and they are saved. They are saved. The righteous run into Him. Run to Him. Don't rest in your own ingenuity, your own skills and abilities. Don't rest in somebody else's. Run to Christ. He is the one with whom we have to do. In 2 Peter 3, verse 9, it says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's his heart. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but you have to make that decision. If you haven't made that decision today, today you must make that decision. Not Not so that you can just be part of our holy huddle. Not just so you can become part of this church, although you're more than welcome. We loved it if you are. But see, eternity awaits each one of us. And there's a time when the decision that we have made will be sealed, and there's no going back. There's no second chance after that. Until we take that last breath, believe me, there are plenty of second chances that each of us have, have had and will get, according to his grace and knowledge. But there is coming a day when you will take your last breath and you've made that decision and God will allow you that decision that you've made because he is not he is not a, a mean father if you want something bad enough he's going to give it to you and when i take my last breath if i know him praise the lord but if i take my last breath and i've ignored him all my life and said my way i did it my way Well, guess what? Your way 
is going to take you to a highway somewhere else. But God's way is full of love. And he demonstrated that love, didn't he? But the Bible is very clear that not everyone is going to heaven, and many would rather follow that broad path that leads to destruction. Didn't Jesus say that? In Matthew 7, beginning in verse 13, he said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. because. And, then, and here he, he juxtaposes it with, Narrow is the gate. And difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. It doesn't mean that you're not welcome. It's just that it's, it's completely opposite the world. The world is wide open. All roads lead to God. Just as long as, you, as long as it feels good, just do it. That's the mantra of the world. But Jesus says the narrow, the gate to life is narrow. You are more than welcome on that road, and he will even sustain you on that path. But you have to make the decision to follow him. To follow him. So, what road are you on? What path have you been walking on? The path of righteousness in Christ or the path that leads to death and hell? You must make that choice. And don't say within yourselves, Well, I'm saved and I no longer need to worry about this, because of the truth of the matter is, is that even as believers, we need to walk soberly and we need to stay on that narrow path and continue to abide in Christ. We need to abide in Him. That's, a, that's something that we have to do. He gives us everything we need to do that, but we have to make the decision to stay on the narrow path. We get off the narrow path when we make our own decisions in the flesh without consulting Him at all. And then we're left to our own mess. And God is so willing to pick up the mess again and say, you know what, I know you've messed up, especially when you confess. Confess, and he wants to restore that relationship. And then as you're falling down off that narrow path, he scoops up with his hand, he picks you back up, and he sticks you right back on that narrow path. He says, now continue walking. I've forgotten all about that. You've put it under the blood. I'll never see it again. You're going to remind yourself of it. And certainly others are going to remind you, boy, he failed. Remember when he fell off the path? And God says, I don't know what you're talking about. My blood of my son covered that sin. I see it no more. Why are you dwelling on it? We do that to one another, don't we? But you confess, and God will lift you up. He'll take you up from that place that you've fallen off that narrow path, and he'll set you right back up on it again. And you're going to be walking and continuing going forward. Never forget that. Never forget that. No matter how much you've messed up. Yes, we don't just get saved and then continue to live like the devil that we used to be. Yes, he is holding us. He's holding us, but practically we need to abide in him. And that means fleeing from sin, not caving into it. It means doing everything we can to crucify this old nature and do everything we can to affirm the new nature within us, the Spirit of God within us. To put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that what the Bible tells us? To put off those other things and to put on something else. That's something that you and I have to do, and it's not hard. In our text going on, in verse 10, he says, And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation, to be the atonement for our sins. Remember again, that's what worship is. Worship is God initiating and you and I responding. That's all our worship is. When we worship in song, that's what we're doing. Is We're responding to what God has already done. I mean, think of the things that he's done for us. And, and, and just you know, That's why I love Thanksgiving so much. To me, Thanksgiving is so much more than just football, although I like it. It's so much more than pumpkin pie with whipped cream on top, which I like even more. 
It's so much more than the turkey and the trimmings and the family gathering. That's all wonderful and good. But do you have a thankful heart this morning? Do you have, have you taken stock of the things that he has blessed you with and given to you? Really give thanks. Let this Thanksgiving be the best that you've ever experienced. And start it off with worship. In fact, that's why this, um, this month on the 24th, which is the Sunday before Thanksgiving, in the evening, our Sunday evening service, on the 24th, we're going to have a Thanksgiving service. And everyone's welcome, kids and everything. It'll be sort of like our Christmas Eve service that we have. Everyone's in here. It'll be a shorter service, but we're going to talk about Thanksgiving. We're going to give thanks to him. So we pray that you join us. But God is the initiator. And I love verse 11. Beloved, of God so loved us, we also ought to love, to love one another. In John chapter 13, beginning in verse 34, Jesus speaking, he said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. Notice the example. As I have loved you, you also love one another. Jesus didn't just say, go love, but he didn't give us an example. No, he was the example. And he is continually the example. Because of that... Because of how he's demonstrated that in so many wonderful ways, now he says, now you go out and you do the same. I'm giving you the strength, the power, my spirit within you to even make it possible. And aren't you glad that he's, he hasn't just left us here as orphans without any power at all? If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Going on, verse 12, he says, No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. See, no one has seen God in his form as spirit and lived. You remember in Exodus, in Exodus chapter 33, you you can look at it. um, You don't have to go there, but write the verse down, and I'm just going to speak to it. Exodus chapter 33, specifically verses 12 through 23, but I'm going to pick up here in verse 18. Moses, before he was... I'm going to set the the children of, um... well, Moses, he said in verse 18, he says, please show me your glory. There came a point where Moses was so enamored with who God was that he chose him of of all people to go and, and deliver his people. And God said to him, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But here it is. But he said, You cannot see my face, Moses. You cannot see my face, for no one shall see me and live. Verse 20 of that thing. And the Lord said, Here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. And so it shall be, while my glory passes by, that I'll put you in the cleft of the rock, and I'll cover you with my hand while I pass by. And then I'll take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. See, God's glory, I, I don't know about you, but I like to get carried away in thinking about the glory of God. Because a lot of people think of you know, Jesus as God as being my buddy, my, faith, my best friend, and he is all those things. But never forget the holiness of God, that he dwells in unapproachable light. And again, let that inflame your worship. Because that's who he is. He cannot be figured out, and that's where my knees buckle, and that's where I fall flat on my face. Because I'm recognizing I'm in the presence of one who I can't even begin to approach, not in this flesh. That's why we need a new body when, we're, when the rapture comes. That's why we need a new body, because this body cannot stand in the presence of God and live. Instant incineration. <laughs> we would cease to exist. The beauty and the intensity of his love and his glory. Wow. 
let your heart just, let it just defib the heart. You know, get the paddles. Get his tongue. Let it shock you. Let it, let it make you alive again. Don't think of him as just a man who walked the earth. Think of him as almighty God who dwells in unapproachable light. But God, no one has seen God, the Father, in in his essence as spirit, because remember when Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, he told her, he said, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And in truth. In John chapter 16, beginning in verse 13, Jesus speaking, he says, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Notice, the Spirit of God, he will glorify me, and he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. He will glorify me. That is the idea of the Spirit of God. God is spirit, and we must worship him in spirit and in truth. We worship him in spirit. And we worship Jesus in truth based on who he and the word of God says that he is. We don't worship Jesus based on our own criteria like some do. And please don't misunderstand me this morning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to harp on something here, but I'm not harping on the people. I'm harping on the doctrine of the Catholic Church specifically. And if you're a Catholic here this morning, my intention is not to offend you, but I love you to tell you the truth, to tell you the truth. You understand that in the Catholic faith there is often more spoken of Mary and the saints than there is about Jesus. Why is that? We are to worship God in spirit and in truth. In truth of who the Bible says he is. We are to worship him by the spirit of God, the very spirit of God. Is he so impotent that he that we have to pray to Mary or some dead saint to twist God's arm into doing something for us? No, we don't have to do that. The Jesus of Catholicism is a variation of whom the Bible says he is. He is the creator, and he's the only mediator between God and man. There is no man standing between you and God except for Jesus. But let me prove it to you. Write these verses down. 1 Timothy Chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. We worship God in spirit and in truth. Notice, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. There it is. In Hebrews chapter 9, 13 through 15. says this, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean and sanctified, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works and serve the living God? And here it is, verse 15, And for this reason he is the mediator of the new covenant, by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. A mediator is someone who intervenes. It is a internunciator. There's a nice word for you. Or an arbitrator. Someone who intervenes between two. We have this holy God who expects perfection, but we are not perfect. So there had to be some mediator between God's, God the Son, the, the righteous, the very... Son of God, God in the flesh. He is the mediator. He's the only mediator. 
And not only that, but he's a high priest. And he died once and for all. In Hebrews chapter 9, beginning in verse 11, he says, But Christ came as high priest of good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, not of this creation. Notice, not with the blood of goats and and, and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place. Notice, once and for all. Once and for all. And I'm hammering this home once for all for a reason that we're going to get to. In Hebrews chapter 7, Again, it says, once and for all, he offered up himself. He offered himself. No, His life wasn't taken from him. He wasn't a martyr. Jesus Christ knew exactly what he was doing. He purposely laid down his life, and he rose it again. He raised it again. No one took his life from him. He's not some poor, misunderstood religious fanatic. No, he willingly laid down his life. And in Hebrews chapter 10 You can read in verse 5 through 10, but we're going to look at uh, verse 10. He says, By that will, by God's will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. Notice, in all these verses, once and for all, he was sacrificed. Once and for all, he was given. In Romans chapter 6, For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. There it is. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. But unfortunately... Even in the Catholic Mass, and, and, I, and I hate to, you know, love often, we, we have to tell the truth. Because this is the truth. And again, please don't misunderstand me. I am not bashing Catholics. If I'm bashing anything, I'm bashing their doctrine. Because the doctrine is wrong. This is what the Mass is. The Mass is called the most holy sacrifice of the Mass. The sacrifice of the Mass. It is the central liturgical ritual in the Catholic Church where the bread and the wine are consecrated and become the body and blood of Christ. As defined by the Church at the Council of Trent in the Mass, and I quote, the same Christ who offered himself once in a bloody manner on the altar of the, of the cross is present and offered in an unbloody manner. So he's offered again. And again, every time they do Mass, it's the, it's the sacrifice of the Mass. But the Bible says that he was sacrificed once and for all in several places. Once and for all. There's none of this transubstantiation, hocus-pocus stuff of putting stuff in a little door, closing it up, doing some kind of mystical thing. This is a big deal, folks. Because many people, many people who love God are being led astray. And these are just a couple of things. But love will confront and tell you the truth. Love will warn when there is things that are leading people astray. There are many people who really want to know God, and yet they are being bamboozled. They're being led astray into, into the teachings and the traditions of man rather than the things of God. Jesus spoke to the Pharisees about that. He says, you pay more attention to your rituals and the, te- and the things of man rather than the things of God. Why is that? You're called by my name? Then be called by my name. But if you're going to be called by something else, then go over there. But know that I love you, and I'm telling you the truth. See, we have to be bold enough and love enough to lovingly tell the truth in love, not in anger, not with picket signs and you know hateful slogans. No, that's not the way to get it done. You lovingly tell them the truth. See, this is what love is. Love does. There are other, some other things that I could quote to you from the Council of Trent, but I'm not going to bother you with it right now because we've got better things to talk about. <laughs> so... But we are to worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. 
in spirit because the spirit of God is the one who initiates it in us. In and of myself, I don't worship God. In and of myself, apart from the Spirit of God, there's nothing in me that worships God. I worship myself. I worship a sports figure. I worship an actor or an actress. I worship a musician. But once the Spirit of God in me, now I have this capacity, and there's something that stirs within me to worship this one who created all things, the one who saved me, the one who saved you. The one who loves you with an everlasting love. That's the one we ought to worship. And we worship him in spirit, by the spirit of God. He initiates it. We simply follow suit. And we worship him in truth. How are you going to know how to worship God if you don't know how he has been worshipped in the word of God? And how he shouldn't be worshipped in the word of God? There's plenty of examples. We worship him in spirit and in truth. Going back to our text in verse 13, he says, By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. We looked at some of these verses. Let me just give you a couple references you can write down, and we'll just touch on a couple. In John chapter 14, verses 15 through 7. John 14, 15 through 17. Jesus said to his disciples, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, a parakletos. He's speaking of the Holy Spirit, this helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, and there he defines it for us, just in case we're wondering, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but notice, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. At this point in the life of the disciples, they weren't born again. That didn't happen really until John chapter 20. I believe it was in uh, chapter or verse 22 when Jesus breathed on them in the upper room after his uh, resurrection. They were, the Spirit of God was in them at that point. But he was telling them that he would, he dwells with you and will be in you. Not too long, brothers. I'm going to give you something, a gift. And certainly the gift was at Pentecost, but this gift was for them to be indwelt by the Spirit of God. And they still needed a baptism, which we know at Pentecost came with the Spirit coming upon them. But notice in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 and 14, it says that we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's what it means, that he has given us of his Spirit. Are you sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise? It's something that he does. I can't do it of myself. I simply respond and say, God, forgive me, for I'm a sinner. And Jesus does the work. It's his work. And that's why I believe if you are saved, you are always saved. I believe the Bible teaches eternal security. Are you going to mess up? Are you going to sin even after being a a born-again believer? Yes, and I'm proof of it. However, again, like we've been reading, the idea is that habitually, where is my life going? Where is my life trending toward? If it's trending toward love and I'm, and I'm loving and I'm growing more in his likeness, that's a good sign. But if you find yourself going in the opposite direction, you have every reason to doubt your salvation. And only you know. Cry out to God if you're in that place. You know, there are times, <laughs> I, know that I'm, I know that I'm born again. I know that I'm saved, not because of anything that I've done. It's only by him, by his glory and his grace. But there are times, can I just confess to you, that I get so frustrated, I get so discouraged about my own heart, I'll even ask God to save me again. <laughs> I know that I'm already saved. And I know I don't need to beg him, but I do. I'm like, Lord, if there's, if there's a fingernail that is not submitted to you, save that fingernail. Save me completely. Save me, consume me, right? 
Do you feel the same way? Do you want that? Honestly, some of us... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as we continue our study in John's epistles. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.